0: I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Jeannie D., CPA, CGMA, and she's the audit and assurance practice leader for the not-for-profit group at Anders CPAs and Advisor, where she specializes in audits of financial statements for -for not-for-profit organizations, government entities, employee benefit plans, and closely held businesses. Jeannie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy
0: to have the opportunity to talk with you about the financial side of what's going on for associations, because this has been a source of a lot of concern and grief and consternation over the past year. And just when we think things are getting better, we take another dip. So uh, the association CEOs that I've spoken with privately at one point, shared more concern with me about 2021, actually, than they did 2022.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: now I'm starting to hear some private rumblings that 2022 is more of a concern. And I'm curious what you're hearing.
1: You know, I'm hearing some of the same uh, concerns from some association uh, clients. I, I think what might be driving that is, uh, you know, originally, we um, we had some optimism about economy, the economists had some optimism about second quarter of 2020. And and so this was prior to the surge in the pandemic that we saw coming into the, you know, the fourth quarter of, uh, of 2020. So, so I think that optimism has maybe starting to shift a little bit into the third quarter of 2020, uh, third quarter of 2021. Originally, we had optimism about the second quarter of 2021. Now that's shifting into the third quarter. And for our association clients, you know, we can't we can't just produce trade shows and conventions and meetings like that in a matter of months. It takes, you know, sometimes it takes a year's worth of advanced planning. So I think that's what's driving some of this. Hey, we're, not, we're really not going to get into our quote unquote new normal until closer to 2022. And that might be valid. I think there's some things we can do in the meantime to continue to stabilize. But it's you know, we're, we're not out of the woods yet. I think is that message. So you mentioned there's some things we can do to
0: stabilize, just a couple of those off the top of your head.
1: Well, we, we probably will touch on these again. Um, but right now, some of the, you know, we have to be very cognizant of what we're spending our, our resources on. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably talk about cybersecurity a little bit with the with the transformation into digital platforms and online platforms for all of our meetings and events. Uh, cyber threats continue to rise to the absolute top of our, of our concerns. So I think getting your, your house uh, in order with respect to your your um, cybersecurity issues is probably something you can do that now, give, as long as you have the resources to do it. Uh, get that sort of thing done now, because when we do return, you know, there's a lot of talk in the association world that we're going to probably continue with some hybrid models for a very long time and, and so we really want to be able to provide that that cybersecurity to our members uh, in our organizations so we so we can continue operating like that so that's just off the top of my head one thing that could be done now
0: and you mentioned optimism around the second quarter but i also saw some denial quite honestly. I, I think there was both optimism and denial. Um, and when there's denial present, I think it's hard for us to plan ahead. Overall, how threatening is the current landscape, would you say, to the future of associations as we know them, based on your work in this space?
1: Well, I'm an optimist, so, but I, I'm also a bit of a realist. I think it's mixed. Um, had you asked me this question before late December of 2020, I, I had some genuine concerns about the future of associations as we know it, because they had really been punched in the gut. They weren't eligible for many aspects of the CARES Act originally. Um, you know, they, they just the, the bread and butter operations were completely turned upside down. And with the surge in some of the pandemic cases in, in late 2020, it was just kind of, when is that gonna end? Now, I think I'm more optimistic and my clients are becoming slightly more optimistic that there is a bright light at the end of this tunnel. We just don't know exactly how long it's going to take us to get there, but they've made the CARES Act funding available to us now. A lot of different opportunities for increased funding there, which we really need to be taking advantage of. And I'd like to talk more about that. Uh, it's it's important that these associations really do analyze uh, if they can, if they can take advantage of the employee's retention tax credit, if they can take advantage of PPP, that's really great for them. I'm so glad that that was made available to five, 501c6 organizations. Um, so I think those things yield a little bit more optimism than we had uh, prior to, to New Year's Day. Um, so so hopefully that continues, but it's still mixed. It's it's tread carefully because we really don't know you know, what? We, we don't know what the future holds. We didn't know how quickly this would turn upside down last March. So it's it's treading carefully, but I think there is a little bit more optimism now. I think if I had a dollar for
0: every time I said, we'll know more in another week or we'll know more in another month, I'd, I'd be rich. Yeah, uh, because, you, you know, things have, have just been that uh, much of an evolving, changing situation. Um, I'm really hopeful with, more and more vaccines coming and more and more max vaccination vaccination sites coming. I'm, I'm hoping that that's going to be a trigger uh, that's going I think to so start too are getting us moving. but you mentioned the PPP loans mm-hmm. and are you seeing clients get approved for them and if so how much is is it work is it is it taking if the, you know if there's somebody on the fence about this, what would you say to them about it?
1: So I'm glad you're asking me this question now, which is a completely different answer than it was for our first round with our 501c3 clients and other business entities back in April and May. That was a circus. Every minute there was new regulation and, and guidance coming out of the SBA and the Treasury, and it was it was just chaos. My firm stopped calling it tax season, started calling it PPP loan season, because we all just, we were up throughout the wee hours of the of the night and in the morning trying to understand and decipher these rules how's the SBA going to interpret them what's deductible what's not it, it was a mess now thankfully for our 501c6 association clients we know the drill you know the, the, it's a, it's a known thing so yes I am seeing 501c6 uh, association organizations be, get funded and and receive PPP loan assistance. We know the accounting, we understand what that's going to look like on your books, what it's going to look like on your audited financial statements, uh, how the, you know, the the deductibility of the expenses, which is not really a thing for us, but we still need to understand where those charges are going to go, what the forgiveness applications are going to look like. We know how the banks are responding, what their portals look like. So it's, it's a much better, smoother, more comfortable process uh, because of the, all of the professionals in the world like me who have been working on this for eight or nine months now, you know, we, we kind of know the drill. So I would encourage our association clients to talk to their advisors and their bankers. It's it's not overwhelmingly cumbersome of a process. And it's very, you know, the, the government wants us to do this. It keeps the economy moving. It keeps those employees employed at these organizations. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a good program, to, to keep our economy afloat. Uh, so again, we, we, we do encourage you to talk with your advisors and look into doing this. Well, and that's a really good point. It, you know, if I'm
0: an association professional and I've never done this before, I don't have a process. I don't have the knowledge on how to do it. So it can be very, very intimidating. But when you partner with somebody, uh, an advisor or somebody like you who can do this probably in your sleep. It's an, an entirely different uh, experience. And I, I think really from, from my standpoint, it, the, the association's sustainability is one piece of this, but certainly trying to retain talent and, mm. and employee livelihoods is another piece of this. So I think there's a dual reason for really, really considering uh, if they haven't already. Um, you mentioned uh, hybrid events. And yes, you know, I think I, I just said this to somebody yesterday that uh, unprecedented and pivot were the words of last year. And yeah. this is this year's word, I think is going to be hybrid. Um, I'm not hearing, though I'm hearing the word a lot. I'm not hearing as much about the increased complexity and cost. So everybody's yeah. throwing the word around and saying events are gonna be hybrid, but we haven't really sorted through what that's going to mean and what it's going to cost. So um, how are you advising clients? And you touched on this, on the, mm-hmm. the cybersecurity aspect of it, but also the virtual platforms and the needed digital transformation. How are you advising clients to find the revenue for this? A
1: great question. Uh, I do think again those those funding opportunities that are available through the CARES Act are in, now again we can't use all of those funds for that we have to keep we have to keep it in salaries and and uh, in accordance with the thresholds that are provided if we want the forgiveness. Um, there are other CARES Act uh, programs, the empl- uh, Employees Retention Tax Credit program, which is a very uh, uh, lucrative tax credit program. It's going to reduce our payroll tax costs in some areas, and. You know, the, I think we're, we'll touch on this maybe more in a moment as well, but we do have to look at wise uh, use of, uh, of of reserves and resources. The way I like to think about cybersecurity, um, it, it's, it's okay to spend money on infrastructure anyway. We always have to always balance that, right? We have to decide when it's How much non-programmatic spending can we withstand and do we want to do? We have to run a business. We have to have infrastructure. So I see the cybersecurity question as more of a, if we are due to upgrade our technology platforms anyway, maybe that's an area that we've just been a little shaky on and and it's time for somebody to come in and maybe upgrade those platforms. Let's get the cybersecurity work done at the same time. Let's try to find efficiencies in upgrading all of this, because we have to now. This is not a question of of if we should, we we absolutely need to do this. If we're gonna be continuing to host our events and our conferences and our meetings in this hybrid or or fully virtual, uh, whatever it may be, we we need to take care of of this piece. It is a tremendous risk to the organization if we fail to do this. So I'd like to encourage organizations to look at what, what were some projects that we had coming due anyway and can we tack on additional services that'll meet these needs and, and do it a little bit more efficiently? So and then you know the the old the old song and dance about finding alternative revenue streams beyond just membership and, and and trade shows, that continues to that's that didn't go away. We still have to advise clients to look at ways to diversify revenue streams. I mean that's that's I think that's just going to be with us as a, in associations forever. Um, So we do have some we do have some governmental funding, uh, particularly because of the pandemic. Uh, and, And I think it's a it's a way to look at existing projects and initiatives and see what what we can add on to those to kind of get us where we need to be. So
0: the pandemic has really been an accelerator in a lot of ways, but Mm -hmm. it's also providing a tailwind, a needed tailwind in some cases for us to get funding for things that we knew we needed to do anyway. But now they are must do, not should do or nice to do. And Mm -hmm. it's ironic to me that many of the organizations that had already kept up with their digital transformation found themselves... I think, in a better position to weather the, the pandemic. So it's really about being proactive and doubling down, in some cases, on things that we knew we needed or should have been doing anyway.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I use this anecdote a little bit with some clients. My firm, um, my my audit department, a, a year prior to the uh, to the pandemic, we had implemented Microsoft Teams. And we did it. For a weird reason, we had, a, we had an employee that was going to be moving out of town. We're a local St. Louis firm. So we're here in one office, but we really wanted to keep this employee uh, available to us. And so we just decided to try this, this methodology of having this employee call in to teams meetings and. So little did we know that a year later, you know, that would be the platform and we would just be using it, you know. So you have to consider the, the you know, being open to these technologies because you never know down the line when you're going to, you're really going to be grateful that you adopted it and you were ready to, to move forward with those. So it's a small anecdote. We're happy, you know, we're happy that we had the opportunity to do that. But you're absolutely right. There's uh, you have to look forward and there is a bit of a tailwind there as well. I heard from a client
0: who said that they had actually been working on their digital transformation for quite some time and they had a break, they were moving offices and they had a break between when they could get, you know, had to be out of the old office, but could get into the new office. So they actually had a run, a kind of a test run in the fall of 2019 when they were all virtual for just a very short period of time. But having been that and done mm-hmm. that when 2020 hit, they knew that it was possible to work remotely like many associations yeah. didn't. So you, you were kind of in that same, you sort of had a, a dry run that, yeah. that helped you. And, you know, maybe thinking about a dry run, what's the what's the potential next catastrophe is coming? And, and really, what, what do we need to do to be prepared for that? I think that's a right. proactive way to address our strategy planning for associations. You mentioned reserves, and I'd like to talk about that. Um, So many associations have reserves for rainy days. The pandemic has been a tsunami. And yet Mm -hmm. we've seen, I've seen some association boards that have refused to dip into reserves, which is very confusing to me. And it seems like a very, very poor strategy. I'd love to know what your position is on reserves and how you advise your clients when in, in terms of using them.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fantastic point. I I completely understand. We we did build a reserve as the quote unquote rainy day fund. We 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 need to be able to serve our members uh, in in you know difficult times. That's why you build a reserve. That's the entire point. Um, now I, I think early on. Because of the wild swings in the in the capital markets, obviously it was not advisable to start dipping into reserves in March and April of last year. You know, no advisor would have told you because you know you, you certainly don't want to um, sell low, right? Um, so at that time, I think boards were just in in shock. I think associate. I think the whole world was in shock. We just didn't, you know, and it's 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 easy to just say all right, everybody stop. Let's take a deep breath. We don't know what's going to happen. This is not the time to start. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know what the duration is going to be. We don't know what the impacts going to be. We're just trying to get our conferences canceled without, you know, legal fees and, and and cancellation fees. Let's just let's not do anything drastic. And that was probably a good decision at the time, you know, given the situation in the economy uh, and in the capital markets. But you're right. I think we have moved past that now. And now is the time to decide, okay, what what initiatives can we, if we don't have the operating funds for, what does it make sense to do um, fr- from reserves? Potentially the, the the cybersecurity thing, right? Again, I can't stress this enough. I don't think that's, that's not going away. That's going to be with us for a while. Um, even if you don't see it as a 10 and 20 year project, it's certainly a three to five year uh, necessity right now. So perhaps that would be something that warrants a little bit of re- reserve spending. There are some areas, and it's up to each association and each board to kind of vet through that, but it is not a crime at all to tap into your reserves. In fact, as, a, as an auditor and as an advisor, I'd probably argue the opposite. You know, You need to protect the future long-term health of your organization, and that might mean you need to reprioritize some initiatives. And that might mean a little bit of spending now that's going to have much longer future payoff for you and the long-term health of your association. So it's a balancing act. It, I can understand early on why it was so difficult and delicate, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that. And I think now there's enough optimism, especially in the economic forecasts, that it's, it's kind of okay to, and, and certainly in your budgeting process as well, as you go into whatever fiscal cycle. Um, you have as an association take take a look at that work with your financial advisors as well um, and and make some decisions there but it it could significantly help your organization continue to weather this this crisis and move on hopefully move on from it so that you're well positioned when we're all back meeting in person again I just completed
0: some research about association innovation and one of the the obstacles that's noted regularly is lack of budget. (gasps) I like the idea of having an innovation fund built Mm -hmm. into the association budget. And I've seen associations use reserves Mm -hmm. for planned innovation activities, not to spend wildly or irresponsibly, but essentially to, like you said, make a bet, place a bet on the future of the association, because if the association isn't evolving and creating value for members, that is a potential threat Uh, in, in just as much as cybersecurity or a pandemic could be a threat to an association. There
1: has to be a strong value proposition. Uh, You know, I, I also want to comment on that. I I think it's, you know, most associations, you know, let's talk with our membership too. Um, you know some of these initiatives that are out right now, the the CARES Act, PPP, ERTC. There's a lot of acronyms, uh, EIDL. You know the the my mem- association should call you because you know what all of those acronyms <laughs> exactly. Um, it's not you know I work with a lot of associations and and that's that's what I do personally as a you know but the 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 other members of my firm, the traditional tax uh, tax folks, they're working with you know those member businesses, whatever trade or profession those, those members are in. So we've done, we've done webinars on the CARES Act, on PPP for our associations members. And so I I think, you know, working with your membership to find out what, you know, what's going to be important to them. It's likely the same things that are important to us. We're running a business. Associations are just another type of business, uh, business industry. And, and so, you know, these, these funding opportunities that the government has for us you know, your members are grappling with the same paperwork. So I think the membership in, in a lot of cases would be um, uh, supportive. Uh, I, I, you know, it's whatever, however you structured your due structure and, 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 and particular funds. Um, but that could be something that your membership would say, yeah, we're going to get a lot of value um, from our association if, if they have these platforms available for us. So it's, it's another way to get them, you know, more involved. So as
0: we wrap up, what parting words of wisdom do you have for association professionals as we continue to respond to the uncertainty uh, in the operating environment? You know, we, we both are feeling uh, a little more optimistic than uh, we were at this time last year. But, you know, going forward as, as leaders are looking at the three, six, nine, and maybe even a year ahead, what, what, what should
1: they be thinking about so um, yeah, we we've been talking quite a bit about this very question, and and I I have a couple of personal um, strong feelings about it, and then some things I'm hearing from clients. Number one, I we've talked about the hybrid models. Um, something our associations are, are grappling with is how do how do we do that without siloing our membership? So that's a that's a good question, and and I and I think it's something that we need to be cognizant of. The the whole value of the association is is the networking and the relationships and the, the you know the the those things that you build with your with your fellow members. So if we're going to go into hybrid um, meetings and conferences and like that, how do how do we prevent siloing certain groups so that they can't interact with each other? And that that's a difficult question, uh, but I think it's one we really need to be aware of. I am an auditor and and therefore I'm an accounting nerd. So I have always keep an eye on. Um, changes in regulation and compliance. There's a lot on the table right now. It's, it's a maze. It continues to be a maze. Um, things like, you know, our 990 reporting, uh, unrelated business income tax questions with respect to fully virtual meetings, that's a bit of a hot topic and it can be very, very complicated. Um, things like state and local tax issues, those have not gone away. I, a lot of our association friends remember the Wayfair decision from a couple of years ago. States are still, to this day, right now, in state legislatures, they're they're debating what their nexus laws are going to be. So if your trade show, virtual or not, is going to be happening sort of in their states, you, you've got to remember what your compliance um, requirements are with respect to state and local tax issues. And then, as I said, we've got the CARES Act funding. We've got PPP, but there's a lot of paperwork and compliance with that as well. So uh, that would be maybe a, a word of wisdom. Let's not let's not get bogged down in in some of the paperwork of that. Let's work with our advisors. You don't want a problem with the IRS. You don't want a problem with an auditor. Um, that's simple. We can we can have consultants help us with that. Let's focus on our advocacy efforts for our members. Um, and and I I am with you. I. I think there's room to stay positive uh, and hopeful for the next uh, 10 months, year, two years or so. I think we're on the upswing now. So those would be my my parting words for your, our association friends.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You know, that, that just... reminds me that in every hardship, there is an opportunity Mm -hmm. and how you look at it and how you approach it makes it makes a big difference. So thank you for being here today. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today.